0: What's that rustling over there?
1: Boom, we're live.
0: <laughs> you have to do that every time now?
1: For a while till I get tired of it.
0: What was uh, the message you gave me shortly after I got home from work at 9 o'clock in the morning? Um, the phone's going off. What was, what was going on with you?
1: I said, uh, where are you, dude? Are you going to be logging on? <laughs> so I thought we were going to do our half-hour warm-up before the start of the show. In the a.m.? I thought we were recording at 9.30 in the morning. Because <laughs> <laughs> what's the time difference between uh, here and Japan? Is it 12 hours?
2: Something like that. It's 12 o'clock now, 12 uh, noon.
1: Huh. Yeah, 10 o'clock here, 10 at night. Well, I wasn't following the uh, the Twitter messaging going on between you guys. so That you were
0: involved with.
1: <laughs> you never let me know what was going on.
0: <laughs> oh, no. Well, it, I wasn't shocked that you had uh, screwed up the time. I thought that was pretty funny. Mm. Yeah, dumb dumb.
2: Well, dumb, dumb. I'm in the same category, because if I hadn't casually checked it last night, I totally forgot.
0: <laughs> I was waiting for that 12-hour mark where I could you know, text you and say, okay, it's 12 hours from now. We don't have to worry about what the clock says. It's just 12 hours from now.
2: I'm glad you were thinking that far ahead.
0: Yeah, well, no, you beat me to it, so... Richard is always on top of things.
2: Well, do, I, what, do I still have the honor of being the guest that has been booked the furthest in advance?
0: Oh, absolutely. <laughs> we have, we've never had this kind of uh, a schedule before. It's crazy. What were you, a month in advance we had you booked?
2: Well, you <laughs> sent out the invitation uh, months and months ago, but yeah, I think we finally settled on something a few weeks back.
0: I don't know if uh, we could ever get it together this much again,
2: but uh, hey, it, it all worked out.
1: Are we sure. ever going to have someone on that's a, a further location as well?
2: Yeah, Nesseromancer out there. Yeah. Yeah, we definitely got to get that guy on for sure.
0: Ah, oh, I hear, hear a little voice.
2: And yeah, Voxet is here, <laughs> joining the call. Nice. I don't know what I'm thinking, exposing her to you two. Oh
0: yeah, exactly. What is no. going on? What? Just go. just gonna say keep it you're deep going deep. To <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. What is going on out there in Japan? I heard there was a bit of a ground uh, shake. Anything yeah, anything woke up
2: the we had an earthquake. No, nah, it was a mild one. Basically, the alarms go off, you wake up, and it's nothing too big.
0: So that happens uh, often, or
2: you're used to it? Oh yeah, we get earthquakes all the time. Jeez. I'm down south, so it doesn't really hit us as hard. They tend to happen a bit more central or northern. But, you you still feel them once in a while.
1: What do you mean by by alarms, though?
2: Is it like, a Uh, siren going off? No, they have all the cell phones in the country are linked to earthquake alarms, so whenever there's an earthquake, there'll just be, like, a special alarm that goes off on your phone. (laughs) That's crazy. I had no idea. Get a lot of use out of them. It was nuts after the big earthquake a few years back. The F- I'm trying to talk here. <laughs> yeah. We had that bir- uh, the big uh, Fukushima earthquake a-, a few years back. And right after that, there were so many aftershocks. So that alarm was going off constantly just for about two weeks or so. Yeah. I'm the guest. <laughs> I'm the guest. You're going to be silent over there.
0: Yeah, if, geez, if we had something like that in Canada, our... our uh, our uh, phone companies would charge us every time that alarm went off. We'd, you know, we'd be broke. That was kind of uh, Earthquakes. Uh, me and Joe sat in and watched a bit of uh, the San Andreas movie not too long ago.
2: That Is was the, the rock?
0: Ah, uh, yes. That's the rock. That's Still Joe's character.
1: <laughs> tell, tell, refresh everyone again, Bill, why you don't like the guy, even though he's done nothing to you.
0: It's not that I don't like him. I don't feel there's many characters he can fit into because he's grown such a monstrous mass. It, it pulls me out of any any scene he does. It's ridiculous. I'm sure they had to build special uh, helicopters and boats for him to fit his massive frame into and look yeah, convincing.
1: He only does an action scene, so what are you getting pulled out of? Like What's the uh, disbelief that you have to dis- suspend? Well, how much training and
0: knowledge do you have to have you know, to fly a, a helicopter and whatnot? A lot of theory, a lot of classroom work. I, I don't see him squeezing in behind too many desks. I don't see him ever having time for paperwork. He'd have no time for anything except for uh, riding out in the gym. Going to the gym, eh? Yep. Don't agree?
2: I don't know. I got to take Joe's side on this. Because... Uh... <laughs> Years ago, my wife and I got married. She had her wedding dress made and she asked me to come to one of the fittings. And the guy who designed and mended her dress was this dieseled up bodybuilder. Wow. Yeah. Just in the, the wedding shop someone dresses.
0: Mm. Well, you should check out this movie. You want to see some uh, wild, wild and crazy action. It's all as unbelievable as uh, The Rock Flying a helicopter. Uh, what was the highlight? Um, the Rock even tried to cry at one point, so I suggest watching <laughs> it just for that.
2: Well, what do you mean, tried to cry? What did it? Mean? You, you <laughs> talk me through this. No,
0: that's exactly what happened. You can see him trying to cry on camera, and his uh, his on screen counterpart trying not to laugh during the thing. <laughs> Joe was mesmerized by the whole thing.
1: I was focused on the daughter.
0: <laughs> Actually, in this movie, that it's that's not as creepy as Joe just made it sound because she's oh. an older woman.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. Yeah, we've seen her before in other shows. Uh, she's very attractive. Yeah, I, Fox, did you watch uh, True
0: Detective season one? I have no idea what that is. No, okay. Well she was in that and uh like her I think her name was Tits McGee was her character's name, and they were they were wow, they were something else. So that was at least a good part of the movie. But man, every scene got more and more outrageous.
1: Do you have anything good to say about it, Joe, that you uh No, I didn't want to watch it. You put it on. You didn't want to watch it. Give me a break. I'll watch another Fast and Furious of his, but I'm not going to uh, go out of my way to watch anything other, particularly that he puts out. I remember, that thing killed at the box office, too. What, San Andreas? Yeah.
0: No, it didn't. Tank. It did. No, it didn't tank. I seem to recall
1: us talking about it. No. It did good. It was probably the Fast uh, 7 we were talking about. Maybe. Who knows after all this time.
0: What else? We watched uh, the latest Terminator movie. Fox, you're a big Terminator fan, right?
2: I've only ever seen Terminator 2.
0: <laughs> well, that's a good one. That's a good one to pick.
2: Yeah,
0: yeah we watched Terminator Genesis, the return of Arnold in uh, the Terminator role. And, uh, I know, personally, the first uh, the first half of the movie I was, I was loving. I was having a good time. And then it just, uh, I don't know where it went, but it got crazy after that.
1: Why can't you just have a good time and enjoy the whole movie? Did you enjoy the whole movie? Uh, I don't know. It was one of those ones where once you start involving all these different layers of uh, time travel and, and, and possibilities, you start to get thrown for a loop because pretty much anything is possible. Mm -hmm. and it's hard to really enjoy those ones. I think it's just like, all right, well you could say anything and it could, and it could happen, right. Just because of a, a different, uh, time continuum. Right. It was decent. It was better than the previous Terminator one. The one with, uh, Christian Bale, uh, Christian Bale. Yeah. Sorry.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'll probably agree with that. Yeah. You're right. All of the time shifting stuff like they, uh, I felt they use like time theories and then they don't back up what they're doing with the time theory. Uh, they just kind of say this is how this is going to happen, but they don't back it up when it could go the other way at the same time. Uh, and time paradox is all. It's not an easy thing to write. Uh, Richard, you went through this with the Back to the Future episode of the Fandango, eh?
2: Yeah, anytime you do time travel, you you run into those kind of things. It sounds like this movie was just written that way to justify having a very old Arnold Schwarzenegger.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's true. Uh, But their young uh, CG Arnold, I thought, looked pretty good, too. Um, Any kind of screen time they gave him. But they do stuff like the second in the future, the second they send... The Terminator back in time that future should have ended at that second I would think. It shouldn't have kept going for them to have an opportunity to send Kyle Reese back after that
2: I think that was the same argument we had with Back to the Future <laughs> which I see the point but what are you going to do you either worry about that stuff or you make a movie
0: yeah I know uh, Joe's got to just take it easy and just enjoy these movies for what they are so I've been looking into it so much.
1: You are frustrating to watch a movie with my friend. <laughs> frustrating. First off, I have to even get it on for you to watch, so it's even though that's a struggle alone. I gotta basically put it on while you're not paying attention and then boom you get drawn into it, but then the complaining starts.
2: I was gonna ask, when you guys watch a movie together, is, is this what happens? You just talk like this the whole time, or do you actually sit back and enjoy the movie?
1: I I try to to sit back I sit back and then this guy starts to complain and then I get angry
0: yeah you sit back with your eyes closed that's what the sitting back is this movie I wanted to save for at home time because I wanted to hear it through this round sound it had lots of effects it would have been pretty cool but Joe force fed it to me
1: well, I don't have a 7.2 surround sound system, so there's no difference for me <laughs> or my massive wall projection. Mm. As long as uh, you get what you need. Yep.
0: Hey, Vox, do, uh, do you listen to the, uh, the Howard Stern much? I bet you I know this answer.
2: <laughs> I have attempted to listen to Howard Stern probably about a half a dozen times. Back in the old days? Back in the old days. Mm. Uh,
0: well, Joe, you'll find this interesting. I I just read that, uh, as you probably know, his contract is due up next month. Yep. So uh, they uh, I just read today, apparently, it's only one sticking point left, and that's the uh, moolah, the bread, the do-re-mi. So they got a month to sew that up. you think that's
1: going to happen at this point? Is you looking to get more then, obviously?
0: Got to be. Do you know what they're saying? His his uh, current salary is per year. No. Eighty mil
1: per year, eh? Million. Yeah. Mm. (laughs) I wonder how much more it would have to be for him to sign.
2: Is he only on satellite now?
1: (sighs) Yep. Yeah, Yeah, he's been on satellite since two thousand and six. Eighty mil. Eighty mil. Yeah, and. What is he three days a week now, Joe, or four days? No, three days. <laughs> Holy crap.
2: And how long is his show? Three hours, four hours?
1: Uh, yeah, between three and four, and then uh, I forget how many weeks of holidays he gets in the year, though, but it's like between, it's got to be at least eight weeks of holidays.
0: Yeah, I seem to so, recall uh,
1: that. Yeah, he's riding the gravy train there. I guess he wants
0: to get back up to that original contract they gave him, you know, when he first launched on satellite.
1: Well, what do you mean? His his second contract that he renegotiated in, um, what, 2011, was more than his previous one.
0: Was it? I thought it was a drop,
1: and that was his animosity. His whole thing was going crazy about, uh, why would I sign back if I'm going to get paid less? It makes absolutely no sense.
0: Well, if he's getting paid 80 mil, that's less, isn't it? Because his first uh, contract was 100 mil for five years.
1: Like 100 mil per year for five years. That included uh, everything, I think. Like all budgetary means and all that nonsense, Mm. from what I understood. he, He was adamant that there was no way he would sign back if he was to get less. So I'll take it for what it is, but... Um, yeah, I kind of had no doubt that he was going to come back again. I'm not sure if he would do this for another five years, but I'm sure on top of, uh, whatever he gets paid 80 plus million a year, there's going to be a lot of incentives in terms of, uh, like he still has all the video rights and everything, right? Yeah. Which he's doing nothing with. So
0: does that mean... He doesn't care about the future because he's not doing anything with his video. What does it mean? Hello? I don't
1: know. (laughs) The hell I know, man. You listen to it every day. I kind of stopped. Yes, I've been listening to every episode since 2011. And that's all I listen to in the car.
0: And when you're pumping iron, looking in the mirror at yourself.
1: Sometimes. doesn't give you much motivation, but. What I do just you listen to, to, Bill, when you're pumping iron? There's too many podcasts to listen to, man.
0: You know that. All you got to do is look at the cartridgeclub.org and the podcast section. Why
1: would you avoid that question? What do you listen to when you're pumping iron? I just told you. Podcasts. Oh, okay. That's what we do. Like... Well, we listened
0: to that WTF uh podcast with Lauren Michaels we don't like to talk about the big boy podcast too much but that was uh that was a big one Lauren
1: Michaels for like 2 hours on WTF that was good it still wasn't even enough time to delve into everything but just the whole history behind him and even just his minute interaction with uh uh with Mark Maron, you know barely even fit into that two-hour spot yeah i thought mark went kind
0: of soft on him
1: you know because every
0: snl cast member he's had on he would ask about the lauren experience and every cast member has said that they never knew they got hired after their meeting with lauren so i was hoping mark would ask that question like why do you never tell people uh, that you've actually hired them and leave them in limbo for a week
1: all part of the mystery hey Vox what uh is is the podcast scene big in in Japan there
2: I have no clue (laughs) I I exist in a very small world I don't I don't go out and try to find new things if nobody tells me anything I don't learn it
0: oh boy we're gonna get into that later for sure (laughs)
1: this is make uh, in fury I'm always yelling at the (laughs) computer when I'm listening to you guys (laughs) What? (laughs) how does he not know any of this stuff (laughs) <laughs> you're in the best place. You're, you're in the best place in the world to have all the latest and greatest. And
2: yeah, I've I've been through this conversation with people before. They really sent the wrong person over here because <laughs> I I enjoy being disconnected. I, I need my free time.
0: Hmm. Yeah, we're gonna get into all that. We're gonna have to dig deep, find out the psychosis behind it all. Um. The coolest thing in that Lauren Michaels interview was uh, he was talking about the early days, the days of the 70s and 80s in television. And uh, to keep a program on the air, they needed to have 40 million viewers, uh, which is crazy nowadays to think that. That blew me away.
1: Well, it's like you said, there was like, what, the two or three main networks. So if you had like the, the top one and two shows the main show would be making like 40 million and then the other uh, 40 million people in the country would be watching the other, the other show. Yeah. Yeah. And and now you're lucky if, uh, well in Canada you're looking at maybe like one or two million tops for a top rated show. And then if you're in the States, um, I guess to really be considered successful is what bill? Uh, Six to 10 million, eight to 10 million. Yeah,
0: I think you're fine in that area.
1: They would like,
0: I think, fifteen. I think is what what the what a hit is, fifteen to sixteen mil on uh, network is a hit. Um, but speaking of that, like uh, the Muppets, which
1: I know you were interested in uh, the new season. You know what? I've been watching it, and uh, I'm forcing myself to watch it. I hate to say that, but it's just it's not dragging me in. And I love the Muppets. I grew up on that stuff. Watched every episode of the Muppet Show when it first aired, you know. And uh, I'm sensing you've got some bad news. <laughs>
0: I keep missing it. I, I, I'm I'm happy with the idea that the Muppets are back on TV in primetime, but I guess there's been uh, turmoil on the set. And uh, Can we miss Piggy and Kermit. <laughs> no, behind the scenes, apparently there's two showrunners and what happens when there's two showrunners they fight with each other so uh they're going to take a break i guess and uh one of the showrunners is leaving i think why would they do that
1: that's just stupid
0: yeah after oh. ep- after episode 10 hello the muppets will go on hiatus for a creative retooling so that's never a good thing in television when Damn. you hear that <laughs>
1: Well, at least they're going to continue and bring it back and give it another run, but um, yeah, do you know any of the shows that have two showrunners?
0: Yeah, like uh, weren't we saying The Last Man on Earth has a a duo that Lord and whatever the other guy's name was? Mm. But yeah, whenever they take a break to retool (laughs) that's, that's scary. And Mythbusters just recorded their last ever episode. So that's crazy. They've been on forever.
1: Not a big fan of Mythbusters, Joe? No, I grew tired of that after the first couple seasons. Does Richard know what Mythbusters is?
2: Heard the name. <laughs> <laughs> All right,
1: man, I would've lost that one.
0: <laughs> oh yeah? Hmm. Um Another big breakfast gone. All right, man. Enough of this nonsense. Why don't you uh, start Wanna the show? This? Yeah. Let's get All things right. rolling.
1: Okay, everyone. Welcome to another episode of STC Pod. This is episode number 59. I can't believe we made it this far. I'm Joe, and you've been hearing my co-host, Bill. Yep. That's me. Jeez. Come on. <laughs> So if you've never checked us out before, we're a free-form conversation show where basically Bill and I just go back and forth with one another on anything and everything going on in our lives between video games, TVs, movies, you name it, we talk about it. Uh, You can find and follow us in the following places on Twitter at STCPod. That's the account that Bill handles for us. You can check me out on Twitter at ACDecepticon. You can check out our website, which is www.stcpod.com. You can check out my blog at www.angrycanadiandecepticon.blogspot.ca. We are on YouTube at youtube.com slash start to continue. And breaking news, we are now on Podbean, which is stcpod.podbean.com. We are leaving that piece of crap Podomatic and switching over to Podbean. So Yay! for those of you that have been following us with your RSS feeds or whatever, you're going to have to uh, basically re-register or re-search for us, whatever the term is, <laughs> reload us up. And uh, I'm going to shortly be fixing that for the, our iTunes and Stitcher account as well.
0: Yeah, I think we're just waiting to hear back from them. Um, it's good to be on Podbean. It's immediately a million times better than Podomatic.
2: Oh, congratulations.
1: And uh, that voice you hear means we have an extra special guest on today's episode. Bill, let the people know who's joining us.
0: Well, as you know, Joe, we landed uh, the big fish for today. That's for sure.
1: He's a free agent. We've scooped him. (laughs) We've uh, signed him over. And he's now the third member of STC Pod. (laughs) Oh, a Tripod.
0: Well, everyone will know him. Uh, he's a heavy hitter and a community pillar over at uh, Cartridge Club. <laughs> as well, the many loyal Retro Fandango podcast listeners know him as uh, the Moral Center, uh, the Voice of Reason, the, uh, the Kent Brockman to co-host Kevin's Krusty the Clown, <laughs> none other than uh, Sir Richard, otherwise known as Ramvox. How are you doing, sir?
2: I'm doing great. It's wonderful to be here. I finally get to talk to you guys face-to-face, or at least Bill face-to-face, Joe ear-to-face. <laughs> yeah, you don't yeah. look into the camera all that often, do you, Joe?
1: Uh, it's just the setup that I have here. Let me fix oh, that okay.
2: Sorry, dude. Yeah, that's well, that's how the we... That's the legendary mic I keep hearing about.
1: Yep, trying to get Bill to switch, and he just won't do it. Switch to what? No, right, you tricked us into buying these big fat things here, <laughs> and we're trying to go professional, and the guy just won't do it. Uh, these are professional. What are you talking about? Look at
0: it—the stature, the size of it, the shininess. Anyways, about uh, the pod beam, um, we we definitely want to thank all the listeners who have supported us. Uh, either just with kind words or donations or even the t-shirt drive. Uh, they were able to get us off that awful Podomatic and on Podbean. Our show will still be on Podomatic for a couple weeks. I don't know, not for too much longer. And uh, then we're full-time over at Podbean, and all the episodes will be available, all of them. There's one that's hung up right now. Joe has to fix that, so God knows when that'll happen. I think that's episode three. But everything else will be out there. And if you wanted to support us, if you were wondering how you could uh, you know, toss us a bone when we get the new iTunes, go over there, write a quick review for us. Apparently that's a big deal and it helps out quite a bit for the podcast. So there's there's the spiel. Joe, anything to add to that? No. Quit playing with your mic. You can't go that way now. You can't You can't shoot from that side. Try to satisfy Vox here. (laughs) All right, I'm good. Let's get into this. Vox, you got to watch him do his intro with his uh, wrap arm going the whole time, too. Did you know? (laughs) It's part part of the workout.
2: You guys really do need to broadcast the video for this. It's a whole new experience.
0: (laughs) Yeah, one day.
2: Put the little little sensor bars over your eyes. You'll be good.
0: Mm, Yeah, you're right. That'll be a special feature one day for his deluxe membership. What are you drinking there,
1: Joe? It's disgusting. It's uh, <clears throat> Mike's Hard Iced Tea and Lemonade. Mm. No. No. It's actually left no. over from the summer, so I'm trying to get rid of it out of my fridge. Well, nah, You should bring it to work. Ran out of beer, so i got to finish this stuff off.
0: All right, Mr. Vox, so what have you been up to today? I guess it's—I guess you're in the future. It's early morning, eh?
2: Yeah, it's uh, just afternoon now and nothing much. Oh. Uh, basically, just spent my morning waiting for this.
0: <laughs> That's what I like to hear. Well, ever <laughs> since, uh, I guess we should start out. I know you've told the story before, I think most recently on uh, maybe the first ever retro Fandango, but how did you come up with uh, the handle, RamVox?
2: Uh, Well, like most of us, I'm really kind of an introverted person, so it took a whole lot for me to decide to do the whole YouTube and Twitter and just be a social interactive person. Uh, So I was trying to think up a name. Um, I really just wanted to pick something that would be personal to me. I thought of a bunch of different clever things, basing it off of characters, whatever I liked, but I figured, all right, I'm just going to put it in myself, but I don't want to throw my name out there. So I took parts of my name. Obviously, my first name is Richard, so that's where the R comes from. And then the A and the M are parts of my name as well. And then Vox, meaning voice, I just put it together so that it would be RamVox, my voice. At least that's what it means to me.
0: Nice. That, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. It's better than uh, just Joe. <laughs> Look at him there. What are you doing, Joe? I was just reading some some here. Oh, my (laughs) God. Don't worry. I'll uh, carry things here.
1: Listen. Uh, (laughs) uh, Speaking of YouTube there, uh, Vox, um, you just had a recent hiatus with your uh, your YouTube channel. I know Bill and I are trying to get ours uh, up and running and have a bit more content on there, but um, I think you had said you had left due to... uh, Lack of time and direction, uh, yeah that's in your all life right, and not having enough time to accomplish a lot of things have you have you resolved everything because we noticed um uh, you've been back, you've put one video back up have uh how have you been able to sort everything out in your life and are you happy with the new direction that you're going to be taking
2: um well, yes and no, and to a lot of that. Yes, I am able to get it back up and running. I think what was troubling me before is when I first started the whole YouTube thing, I figured I wanted to do the reviews. I wanted to do some sort of scripted and and well-edited and everything videos, and I never had time for it, but I would still do my best to put out what I could for early reviews. And then things got very busy. I didn't have time to sit down and do all the editing, so I figured I would just do... Um, more what J-Rock does now, which she stole from me with the Chronicles of Mr. Vox videos I was doing. I would just sit down and talk about what had been going on in my month, basically what you guys do with this whole podcast. Instead of doing it on a, a weekly basis, I was just sitting there saying, this is what I've done over the month, and I would usually just keep it tailored to video games. But uh, that it started to drag on after a while just because I felt myself being forced into doing it it really wasn't that fun to to keep up that content, or if I realized I didn't have a whole lot that I did, if I didn't buy a lot of things or play a lot of games, there wasn't a whole lot for me to talk about, so i just have to pad it somehow. And it just became a matter of I wasn't really enjoying it so much anymore. So I took a little break, decided to just stay away from YouTube for, I think it was three months or so, And then I realized I want to go back, I want to do all the same stuff where I just talk about whatever I do but I'm going to keep it extremely simple and just have one camera set up, one lighting set up, um, no prerequisite of what I'm supposed to do whether it's supposed to be a review or talking about game pickups or anything like that so I, I just do whatever I feel like now and I've decided to approach it with a much more relaxed attitude. It's something that instead of having to force myself to do it on a regular schedule of once a week or once a month, I can just record as many as I want when I have the free time to do so because I'm doing whatever I feel like. And then I can just edit them at my own pace. So I I was able to shoot three or four videos one night. So that's what's coming out now. And I'll just spread them out. And then um, when I get time to do more, I'll do more.
1: So it sounds like you're having or you you plan on having a basically you're going to have a lot more fun with it as opposed to it being more of like a work type of thing for you, right?
2: Exactly. And work is is the best word because with the podcast, you guys know, it really does feel like a second job at times because uh, I do the, the Retro Fandango podcast to do my own YouTube channel and I'm big into the cartridge club. So just getting in there and getting into the forums and seeing what's going on and, um, you know checking in with everybody it's it, it's a big chunk of time to do all that and i enjoy it that's the only reason i do it but it's it really does take a lot of time
1: yeah especially if you're not being paid for it it's it's like you said it's it is work it you could spend you know a good solid day and, and barely get half the stuff you need done right right bill, yeah. what uh what do you think about that bill
0: well, i like the idea of not having any specific format for a youtube channel it, it it's YouTube. Let's let's have fun and put out whatever you know whim you come up with. Uh, and I love seeing variety out there. Like our YouTube channels, it's got all kinds of whatever we're doing. We'll try and throw content up. Uh, Richard, you just put up a video, I think today, right? Uh, an unboxing of a super rare PS2. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You uh, destroyed its Joe value right
2: there on camera. I I think I even mentioned it in the video that it was in Joe condition.
1: Uh I got to watch this then. I haven't seen it yet. (laughs) I guess that means you opened it, right?
2: Oh yeah. (laughs) Oh yeah.
1: That's a no, no. You got to buy two
2: open one, (laughs) save the other (laughs) Buy two sealed retro games. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Sounds good. But uh, I recommend anyone to go back in Fox's archive on YouTube and check out the old stuff. Uh, uh, those early videos you did where you were like uh, mock infomercial, yet still reviewing the game. Those yeah, those, videos those were those great. Of
2: the first couple that that was the original concept. I think that's where more of the Vox came from because I wanted to do more more of the narration with it, but uh, it it seemed awfully phony after a while. So it's something I might go back to just as a goof, but I can't yeah totally and do it as a you know this is my main thing.
0: Yeah, throw one of those out. Even that the Famicom uh, cart video where you you were like a, a dealer at a Vegas table shuffling through all these uh, Famicom uh, uh, yeah. carts. That was,
2: that was my grand opus there. That was the big <laughs> video. That's for sure. I, I will never sink that much time into a video again.
0: Did you have all that scripted out or were you just uh, you know freestyling I, it through there?
2: I think that might have been the third time I shot that. Whoa. Is, yeah, I, I had scripts, I had plans of I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, and I think by the third time I finally just felt comfortable where I was able to say, alright, I'm going to talk about this section of games now, and I'd do that, and then I'd stop, and then pull out the next section of games and talk about that.
0: Yeah, I was mesmerized I by the, the, yeah. the dexterity of your hands moving those carts around at fast speed.
1: It was, it was like a big shell game. Good times. <laughs> While we're uh, still on the gaming topic, there back in June you did a gaming purge, Vox. I've uh, I don't have enough to do that myself, or I'm sort of happy with the direction that I'm going in. But uh, what type of games did you do? Did you end up getting rid of?
2: Uh, stuff from every console. I've got stuff um, from the NES going all the way up to the 360. I haven't really jumped into the most current gaming generation yet. I tend to be about. Five to ten years behind when it comes to gaming because I just I I can't keep up with all the the latest modern stuff But I I went through I don't know hills and valleys with my collecting over the years. I've been doing it for Probably good nine years now just buying gaming stuff And I've accumulated a lot of stuff and I've gone through the periods where I first bought exactly what I wanted to And then I started to buy stuff that was there just because it was cheap and available. And then I would find out, of course I'd go on YouTube and see what everybody else is doing. And then I'd hear about a different accessory or a different game or a different peripheral. And, you know, I'd go look that stuff up. And when I found it for a good price, I'd pick it up. And then I realized I just had all this stuff that I wasn't really using. And I debated whether I'm actually going to go for trying to make some sort of complete collection or at least uh, get all the, the AAA titles for a certain system. And ultimately what I realized is I just want the games that I'm going to play. It could be a great game, but if I have no interest in it, like I don't play RPGs, so I'm not going to waste my time trying to pick them up. If they're just going to sit there on my shelf, better to, to leave them for somebody else to buy. So I went through everything I had, and I had games that were okay, I had games that were mediocre, I had games that were good, I had games that were terrible. But bottom line, if I wasn't going to play it, or if I didn't enjoy it on some level, I just decided to get rid of it. And I've tried to keep that up, even though I had a purge at a specific moment, I really try to go through my stuff at least every month, every other month, and just look through and see, like, am I really going to play this? And maybe I'll put it into a trade pile. And I've been able to do that where I'll go to a shop and I see something I really want and rather than spend the money on it, I can look into my collection and take a few things out, trade them in, and I get what I want that way.
1: And how are they in terms of like the trade market there? Is it, um, are they pretty open to like say any type of trade or is it, uh, are they more restricted there?
2: Most places will take just about anything, but they give you very little. Uh, it's kind of the compromise where in North America the prices are probably at an all-time high for some systems I'm sorry am I coming through in somebody else's speaker. I kind of hear myself. Is that wrecking the audio? No, I don't no, hear anything. Well. are you fine. No? Here? Okay. Sorry, but yeah if I take something to a store um, they'll basically give me nothing because the games are a lot cheaper here but you also don't get as much for trade in value, so it's it's the pros and the cons there um, But there is one store that I found that seems to give me a much better value than others, so whenever I have something to trade, I'll take it there, and you know even then, you know a, a good value on a game might be five dollars, considering most other places would give you the equivalent of a nickel or a dime. <laughs> wow. <laughs>
0: Uh, You don't have like a uh, a Craigslist system there or like we have Kijiji? Is it better to go that route or just too much hassle?
2: We have something uh, called Yahoo Auctions, and I think that's probably the closest to to an eBay or something like that. But one of the rules I have for my own gaming is I don't buy anything online. I only buy stuff from the stores, so I don't don't deal with any of that.
1: Hmm.
0: Cool. So avid listeners of uh all your podcasts retro fandango and your cartridge club uh appearances know that you are living in Japan and uh, as long as we've been listening to you we've been wondering how's this how's this guy from uh jersey end up in Japan what the, what happens here what what goes on
2: i'm the ca- you know what i don't like to travel I don't like to travel. There have been plenty of vacations in childhood where my mom said, oh, we're going to go to the Bahamas. And I'd say, I don't want to go. So she would take my sisters, and I would just stay with my grandfather or something. I, I really have no desire, at least I had no desire, to leave my hometown of Jersey City. Uh, is Even in the US, I have been up to Maine, and I've been down to Florida, but I've never gone west. So like, my, my travel is so limited. And all that happened was I was at university, and I met somebody in my final year there who I assumed was a Japanese-American, but turns out she was Japanese-Japanese, and we ended up dating, moving in together, getting married, and then when her uh, student and work visas ran out, we thought, let's give Japan a shot. And we came over to Japan in 2005, figured maybe we'll give it about five years, see what it's like, and we're here. We've got two kids now. We got a house, so I don't think I'm going anywhere. <laughs>
0: what What was that like for you? Was it a like culture shock? Your first uh, first days over there?
2: Oh yeah, it's it's culture shock in that everything is different, but nothing is um, taxing or demanding. People are so nice here. I think when you had Dean on, he said the same thing. Everybody is so nice, so polite. Um, stuff makes a lot of sense. So many things that go on here are much more common sense than they are in the U.S. Um, so it, it it didn't take too long to adjust. It's more about your own personal sense of I have to get used to a different lifestyle, but this lifestyle is not at all difficult if I'm willing to give it a shot.
0: And hmm. were you did you have any grasp of the language early on, or you just went and cold?
2: No, there's the. The, the three different alphabets, which again, I know Dean talked about, you've got uh, two forms of kana and one kanji. And when we came over, I knew nothing. So I just bought a workbook that taught kana. And on the 12 or 13 hour flight, whatever it was to come over here, I basically studied that and learned those primarily on the plane. And when I got here, it was just a matter of, okay, go, put it into practice and it, it takes a while. It's not. Uh, it's not... A terribly difficult thing if you really set yourself to it, but it's it's definitely a bigger jump than just going to Spanish or French, something that also uses the same alphabet but just then has um, a different uh, language and pronunciation. But here, you know, everything is just different. But again, if you really apply yourself, you can pick it up.
0: Oh yeah, I I don't know. I don't think I don't think I can do it.
2: <laughs> I couldn't
0: grasp it uh french is hard enough for me and like you said it's the same alphabet and uh you know all derives from the same roots and everything you're completely different uh you were able to find work and everything over there
2: yeah it took a little time but um they it's pretty easy for foreigners to find work in certain fields there's teaching um some people are um, quote unquote ministers and they perform weddings There's a few different things you can do here, even if you're not familiar with the language. So one thing I got into early on was teaching. And, you know, you basically go into schools and they don't want you to speak Japanese. They only want you to speak English. So that was very easy to find something to do to generate income and still be productive and then give yourself time to learn.
0: Oh, interesting. Did you need, like, teaching credentials to get that gig or...? Just for some places English. you
2: do, for some places you don't. The first place I went to, I didn't. It was just a bare bones entry level. Okay, you, here, here's what we want you to do. Please do it, and we'll give you money for it. So that was great. It was just okay. I can take my time and get used to this. Uh, some places that you do have to have the credentials. Some places will offer training programs. So it's different depending on what kind of teaching you want to do.
0: Hmm. That is great. So, what did you take in school in uh, college?
2: Uh, you would never know this from looking at my YouTube channel, but I was in media production. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, you don't give yourself enough credit. <laughs> so, are, were you able to follow that into the new land?
2: No, it's something that I, I, I was, I never had any direction in my younger years. This is why it was so easy for me to. Come to Japan because my my wife had said let's do it, and I was like okay because I I really didn't have a sense of what I wanted to do with my life, so um, I had originally gone to college to study fine arts because I always enjoyed drawing as a child, and I studied a bit in high school and then I started with that in university, but it was in Jersey City, so it was right across from New York City, so all of the art teachers there were artists, you know. So anytime mm-hmm. I thought, oh, I, I want to learn how to draw Spider-Man jumping off a building, that look really cool. It's like, no 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 no. We're we're gonna go to the museum and we're gonna stare at paintings and we're gonna talk about the philosophy behind it. Like, that's cool, but that's not really what I want to do. I just want to, you know, draw comic books or something. So after uh, about a year and a half or so of all these six hour lecture classes, which I had teachers that wouldn't let us sit down. We had to stand there for six hours staring at paintings. I just had enough of it. I was like, you know, uh, I I gotta do something else. So at the time I had taken an intro to media class and they started talking about films and I loved movies and they started talking about television. I was a TV addict as as a kid and radio and and all that stuff. So I was like, all right, this is kind of interesting. So I took another class and another class and eventually I just switched into that direction which I never really had a, a strong focus. It didn't occur to me. I didn't want to be a movie director. I didn't want to be a cinematographer, but I just enjoyed learning about the stuff. So I guess it all worked out because now I get to talk about movies on the Fandango. So I suppose uh, it all went somewhere. The money was well worth it.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's good. That's when we look at it. Uh, that's awesome. We have, we have a very similar uh, yeah, wave coming up through high school and whatnot. And with the media it's shocking you with the media background and you don't know any current tv shows or what's on television or what's in the theaters but
2: <laughs> well that's a conscious decision years ago i i was all over um, every latest movie trailer i would just watch them over and over and it became a little difficult because not everything that's released in north america comes over here we'll get all the big budget action movies but comedies uh, don't really come out in the theaters here you might find them in the in the rental shops or they'll be on like some kind of uh, streaming service but they don't generate the same money because the language is harder to translate with humor mm. so it, it's much more difficult to get people to go to a theater to watch a comedy when they're not necessarily going to understand what's going on uh, you know with, with the humor because not everything that's funny in North America is funny over here especially if it's full of pop culture references. So some of the movies don't come out here, and the ones that do, I don't know why, but Japan gets everything last. If you go to IMDb and you check the release schedule for all these movies, Japan will get a movie two to three months after it comes out everywhere else.
0: Hmm. Is there as much of a reverence to for movies in Japan as there is like in North America? A lot of theaters... Uh...
2: There are a lot of theaters. I can't say that there's more or less. Um, I know that where I am now, I'm in a smaller city, and whenever I go to the theater, even if I go on a weekend or an opening day, there's barely anyone there. Or the audience might just be more into the Japanese movies. There's a lot of uh, anime films, a lot of Pokemon and all that stuff that comes out annually, and that's where the big draw is. That's where everybody's taking their kids, or there'll be some, you know, Japanese-produced film that's getting more attention.
0: So this hype that we see here that doesn't necessarily translate over there. Like this Star Wars business is
2: oh, the it does already
0: have their tickets like they do here.
2: I I don't know that people are doing pre-orders like that. I'm sure that it's definitely nowhere near uh, the level that it is in North America. But uh, you know you pass by the convenience stores, there's 7-Elevens with big Star Wars posters and. I think we don't get as much merchandise tie-ins. Like you'll see a couple of things; they'll they'll have the logo of the movie on products, but it's not in your face the way it is in North America, where every box of cereal, every bag of candy has Darth Vader's face on it right now.
0: Oh God! Like I, they're selling CoverGirl makeup uh, branded for Star Wars.
2: <laughs> there, there you go. That, that's what sickens me. I'm not going to get into the whole Star Wars rant here, but. I'm so tired. I'm so glad I'm over here and I don't have to have that stuff in my face.
1: While we're on the, uh, the movie topic there. Um, I don't know if you would know this or not, but is there like, a uh,
2: in,
1: in the Japan culture, is there like a, are they big on movie stars per se as, as they are in North America or is it, um,
2: Oh yeah. They're, they're big on North American movie stars,
1: but in, I know. is there a, like, um, the Japanese equivalent of it,
2: is that? Yes and no. There are some big movie stars, but I don't think that they get the the same appeal that uh, like Johnny Depp or George Clooney or whoever's popular now do. Um, they they seem pretty obsessed.
1: They're just not on a, a worldwide basis as the North American stars, I guess, right? Right, yeah.
2: And the Japanese celebrity is a totally different thing. Um, You would never see Tom Cruise doing a television commercial for coffee or, you know, some some little product like that. But here, if you're popular, you're everywhere. So as soon as you become popular, you're going to be on magazine covers. You're going to be guesting on variety shows, not just talk shows like like Letterman or anything. You'll be on shows where they're throwing pies in people's faces and just watching them slide across the floor because it's slapstick humor. It's funny.
1: Is the uh, wealth equivalent the same? You think for a, a Japanese star, like once you become uh, I, I popular, yeah. You
2: know? Yeah, I mean they make a lot of money. I don't know how comparable it is to the multi-million dollar contracts that North American actors get. But mm-hmm. you know, they they definitely get paid well.
1: It's funny because anytime I talk about this topic or think about it in terms of uh, Japan, I always think of uh, uh, what is it? Bill Murray's movie Lost in Translation. Did you ever see mm-hmm. that? Nope. Hmm. <laughs> he's, uh, <laughs> basically he's, he's, uh, aging North American, I guess, movie TV star. And he goes over there for, uh, they pay him like $2 million to do, uh, a whiskey commercial. Right. In Japan. And in the midst of it, he meets, uh, another North American girl. And then, uh, she sort of shows him like the nightlife in Japan and, and the crazy culture of entertainment there, I guess. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That's just the only perspective that I have. That's why I wanted to pick your brain on it.
2: I'm sure it's fairly accurate because, like I said, there will be a lot of North American actors that come over here and do just that. They do the coffee commercials. They'll do commercials for tires and things like that. Tommy Lee Jones, I don't know if he's been doing anything film-wise for a while, but he has a regular gig for this product called Boss Coffee where he just stands there he, he plays he plays in in the commercials he's an alien that's come down and disguised as a human but he'll just be standing there while other people are talking and doing things and he's just maybe he's making sushi or you know looking in the direction or something and i'm sure he gets paid very well for it
0: yeah, it's interesting, Joe. You brought up that lost in translation. I'm in the same boat. Or I think about Japan. It's really the only only uh, the latest images I have in my head of Japan is just flashing lights and crowded people and loud arcades and dance simulators and yeah. nightclubs.
2: There's definitely a lot of that around if you go to the right area. Is this uh,
0: is this what Voxy does every night? Uh, visits the loud nightclubs.
2: You're looking at what I do every <laughs> night. I sit in this room and I talk to a bunch of knuckleheads in the North uh, North America.
1: Is there a, is there a craze going on at the moment in Japan? Like, is there do you know what the latest fad might be or anything like that? No, technology wise or anything like that.
2: Uh, same as what's going on anywhere else. Whatever okay. the latest iPhone is, or I don't know. It, honestly, it just doesn't. I you know you want to get into this, but I'm really not concerned with what most of the world is doing. I really enjoy being just unchanged from all that stuff.
0: Hmm. Crazy. Well, you've mentioned a couple uh, Fandangos ago, and it stuck in my mind that there was uh, a castle near your house or a palace.
2: <laughs> yeah, there's a castle.
0: What is going on there? Where do you live? The Enchanted Land?
2: There are castles all over Japan.
0: It's so feudal. Very old.
2: Yeah, yeah. It's um. There's there's a number of them around. I think there's there's a bunch of them that are in ruins, and there are some that have been reconstructed. The one I live near, uh, it actually burnt down uh, during a, a civil war. Gosh, maybe a hundred years ago or so. So technically, they consider it a replica. Because it was rebuilt, but it was rebuilt using the same um, method. Like they didn't use any power tools or anything like that. They had to use all the old style tools and and all the proper um, materials that would be appropriate for the time. So it, it's a castle. I mean, it's a straight up. You can walk in. It's a giant castle. I don't know why they would call it a replica, but yeah, it's it's over there. I can see it from my house.
0: Uh, that's cool. Uh, so it's open to the public, kind of thing.
2: Yep, I can go there a lot. It's kind of fun. You just sit down on the grounds around it and they got the the river going around it like the moat and they got the steep walls going up. And you can just sit there and think about the wars that were going on. People like shooting and stabbing each other. Let the oh, kids yeah. run around and play.
0: That sounds like Joe's property anyways. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> what well, about is John- nice. I think that's one of the big differences between... Uh, Japan, the common sense over here, and what goes on in other parts of the world, there's really not a whole lot of uh, barricades and things. There's a lot of steep cliffs and things around there, and I think in America, certainly, there would be all these signs and people saying, no, you can't go too close to the edge, you're going to get hurt. You could fall right into the river here if you wanted to. It's your own common sense and <laughs> judgment that keeps you out of there.
0: That is refreshing to hear, though, that that. That's what you meant by common sense. That, yeah.
2: yeah. Well, it, it, the worst thing in the world is when you go to one of these tourist spots and you see this beautiful sculpture or something, and they have to throw a stupid, tacky sign on that says, "Please don't climb on this." Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep. You. Um, you mentioned the uh, the Japanese television. Is it, is it watchable for you? No. No.
2: No. Very little of it. It's. It's a lot of slapstick. It's a lot of vaudeville, which I, I don't have a problem with, but it, it's the same thing over and over again. It's a lot of you'll like there aren't comedians the way we had like George Carlin, where someone would get up and they would just tell you stories in a humorous way. Here it's a lot of jokes. It's a lot of setup and and then I slap you in the face and it's funny. So it, it really goes back to a lot of uh, Laurel and Hardy, which again it's it's not bad, but I get tired of seeing the same thing over and over again. And there's just variety shows where they will cook, and then they show people watching people cook, and then they eat it, and they say, wow, this is great. And then they make jokes, and it's just not interesting to me at all. They have dramas here, which basically anything that's not slapstick is called a drama. They don't really have sitcoms, um, but the dramas are all one shot, and they're done. They'll make 12 episodes, and then it's done they very rarely go into a second season for shows here and there's no reruns. So you miss it. You're, you're kind of out until it comes out on some kind of home media.
0: Do they have like some kind of soap opera situation too, or like
2: yeah, uh, there's different ones? Yeah. There's some, um, well, again, it, it's, they, they do, it's kind of one and done. There's this thing that they have, a show that'll go for I think it's about six months of the year, and it's on every morning, Monday through Saturday, for ten minutes. So it'll be it's either ten or fifteen minutes. So it's a ten-minute segment, and then the next day you get the next ten minutes, and you get the next ten minutes, you get the next ten minutes, and it goes on like on like that for six months. So it ends up being this really long uh, show, but it's I don't know. There's something about Japanese television where the lighting, the style of acting, everything's kind of hammy and over the top. There's no subtlety. Everything in Japan is either very slow and quiet where it's the cliche, I'm not moving, I'm just staring into the, the void while I talk about this dark thing that happened to me and everyone's just standing there with an expression on their face while they go on with this monologue. Or it's completely off the rails slapstick comedy and everything is overreacting and big bug eyes. So There's no comfortable middle there.
0: Hmm. Interesting. Um, Joe, do you have anything else to grill them about for the Japanese culture? Mm. No, I think I'm okay for now. So you've been doing the retro Fandango now for over a year? Yeah, we we had our
2: one year a little while back. We're on episode, we just did episode 27. We do two a month. So that's just over a year now.
0: How uh, how can you handle working with that guy uh, buried on Mars?
2: We don't talk to each other outside of the podcast. <laughs> that <else>, I'll <laughs>
0: say. Uh, you believe that he should modify our Xboxes, uh, soft mod them for us, don't you? You believe that would be within his power?
2: Uh, it's certainly within his power. <laughs> he can do it. He can. He is, he is capable of doing it.
0: Yeah, yeah.
2: What
1: what do you think the deal is there? Um, what do we need to do to greaseless wheel?
2: He didn't help me out. Um, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Uh, I'm not sure what you guys are going to do.
0: Well, I have a game to I, hold ransom over his head, but
2: uh, I saw that you found his his Grail game there.
0: Yeah, but he hasn't really come forward
1: yet and really bit at the lure. So I I don't. Know. I don't know. I think you should just give it to him, Bill. A little bit of uh, video game karma. And uh, then it's in his, his corner there, isn't it?
0: That's true. Yeah, that's that's definitely what will happen. I, I
1: will give it to him. Just give it to him. I don't think he's going to want the bad luck of not doing anything back in return. Yeah. You know?
0: Well, I'll give it Joking. to him in, inside a box that contains the Xbox as well. Uh, just, you know, whatever. That's the box <laughs> coming. <laughs>
2: Joe, can you do that? I thought you weren't into emulators and all. I thought you had to have the actual item. I,
1: I would prefer it, but in the meantime, like I'm trying to focus on, uh, you know, like Manes and my uh, Super Nintendo games. Mm-hmm. So to, uh, I was just going to take my brother's Xbox and mod that, and, and that way I wouldn't have to spend the money on these Xbox games while I'm trying to complete other portions of my collection, right?
2: Right. Yeah. I, yeah. I wasn't.
1: I'm not, too, I'm not uh, I, but you're right, though. I'm not big on the emulators. I'd rather have a, a physical copy.
2: Yeah, I think years ago I was just like that. Um, I always wanted the physical copy. I didn't want to emulate anything. But now that I have it, boy, is it's so much easier.
1: Yeah, and, there's something to say where you can just sort of just pick whatever game you want out of the hundreds and just, you know, start playing it, right?
2: Yeah, and at the very least, it's a good way to sample them. So yeah. you're not getting the true experience because you got the wrong controller and sometimes the emulation, maybe it plays a little too fast or skips around or something. But mm-hmm. for, for the most part, you can play the game and figure out what you want to do. Do you want to make that investment or not?
1: Well, what game are you playing right now? Or do you have a couple on the go? or?
2: Uh, I haven't really been playing much of anything seriously. I, I was playing River City Ransom for the Cartridge Club, but uh, I, I hit a bump in the road there where I, I'm very... Stubborn about my beat 'em ups, and I really don't like doing any kind of backtracking, and that, that's what I'm left with now. Because that game's got a whole lot of RPG elements to it, which, for the most part, it's it's not the the RPG elements that normally turn me off. But I, I don't like the idea of now I have to go back and search for somebody just to keep going forward.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah, that, was,
0: that was painful doing that.
1: I'm playing a game right now that you're probably or you're. A, a big fan of, or we're a big fan of, and that's uh shadow of the Colossus. Okay. Yeah. Finally, uh, finally purchased it a little while ago. And uh, I'm only about, I want to say maybe seven or eight bosses into it. Mm-hmm. I know Bill's uh, completed it, but uh, do you remember any tips or any things in the game that I should be looking out for while I'm playing it? I hate, I hate looking that stuff up online. Cause I, I'm the sort of guy that just likes to get in there and start playing it.
2: There's really not a whole lot because it's it's just those bosses. The only the only thing you can do outside of taking on the bosses is to search for those lizards because the tails will increase your stamina or your grip or something. Right. And I think there's some kind of fruit that you're supposed to eat, but that's yeah. it. You look for those things. And I, I guess if you consult a guide, they'll tell you exactly where they are, but just keep an eye out for those. And the rest of it is just learning the patterns of the boss.
1: And was there anything in the game where after you beat the, the uh, Colossus and absorb their energy, um, does your character start to change as well? Like appearance wise or.
2: Yeah. Physically he starts to change over time. He Uh, gets affected. I'm having a hard time
1: noticing that that on my, uh, cause I'm playing mine on my PlayStation three, but it's not the, uh, it's not the updated version of the game. Okay. So yeah, I didn't I didn't story. really
2: notice it at first either. I think it's, it, it's not, I don't think it's a gradual change every single time. I think it's after maybe three bosses and then another three. Okay. You'll see a little difference to them. So really you won't see the big change until you're close to the end.
0: Yeah, you definitely see it at the end. I never noticed it throughout the game, but then at the end. Man, I love the ending though. Joe, you got to complete this game. It's a great ending.
1: I think after that, I'm going to throw in uh, just based on uh, Vox's commentary about it. Beautiful, uh, beautiful Joe.
2: Beautiful Joe. It's a good yeah. game. Give that a go next.
1: Yeah, I've given that a couple levels. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: yeah. Mm-hmm. Not catching you. yeah <laughs> no, It's it's a tough one. You got to put some time in on that one.
1: Bill's hard to make happy though. Mm. <laughs> Uh, well, since we're in the game
0: talk, uh, fortunately time is trucking along. Uh, do you want to get this uh, collector's questionnaire out of the uh, out of the way for our latest guest? Wherever you want to. Do you want me to start, or do you want to start?
1: No, you start. You, we got the questions organized. <laughs> do we? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All
0: right, Mister Vox. Yes, sir. Now, uh, what do you collect and why?
2: I buy games that I want to play because I enjoy playing games. How's that? Perfect. Yeah. Yeah, like I said, I've tried to narrow my search to really just the fields that I enjoy. And for me, that's a lot of beat-em-ups, shoot-em-ups. I like fighters. I like platformers. Um, And for the sake of time, I really don't try to pick up any games that require more than... 10 to 15 hours to get through because uh, I lose interest after about 8 hours.
0: I hear you. Definitely.
1: Joe? Uh, how and where do you store all your games?
2: Uh, right behind me here. I get one shelf behind me here. I've got a couple of shelves up above my windows where I have all my um, CD case games, Xbox, PS2, all that kind of stuff. Uh Genesis as well up there. All the loose cartridges are behind me on the small shelf on the top. On the bottom, I've got all the uh C D based games, PS1, Dreamcast, Sega Saturn. And then I've got a couple of bins underneath my desk here that I've got all my Super Famicom and N sixty four cartridges in.
1: But everything's all in that one room, right?
2: Yeah, everything's all in here. Um
1: it's not like in bins really... underneath your bed like I have my stuff.
2: <laughs> I used to. I've got a couple of bins in the closet that have a couple of extra controllers. i got a lot of arcade sticks and light guns and things like that. So i just got to keep that stuff aside. But I try to keep it to a minimum. I definitely don't want it spreading beyond this area.
0: Mm. Alrighty, what is the rarest and most unusual or the most valuable item you have? Um,
2: I think I got rid of most of the stuff that would classify for that. I do have one game for the Japanese Sega Saturn that's worth a couple hundred bucks. Um, It's, what is it, gosh, pretty bad if I can't think of the name, huh? (laughs) Um, Final Fight Revenge. Final Fight Revenge. It was the last game to be released on the Japanese Saturn. It's a Japanese exclusive. Uh, I guess it wasn't released in a, a large quantity and I just happened to be in the store at the right time where somebody put it on the shelf and it was one of those, uh, it was like a bookstore slash game store and they had no idea what it was. So they put it out for just bare bones price and I got it really cheap.
1: Is there a white whale item that you're looking for?
2: Not really, no. No. Uh, I'm sure there is if I put together a list of all the games I want, but I, I try not to take it that seriously. So there are games that I'm interested in picking up here and there but I, I try not to keep uh, my focus on I really have to get this game because if I find myself thinking about it constantly, like I really have to get this, I really have to get this, I feel like my focus is shifting where I'd rather just be happy with the stuff I have. But you know, there's always something else out there that I'd love to get. Uh, you might have already
0: told us, but what has given you the biggest thrill?
2: Biggest thrill... Yeah, that Xbox is pretty sweet. <laughs> 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 that is that is a lovely addition. Um, thrill.
0: Well, I had been thrilling getting that uh, Sega Saturn game, finding that put on the shelf. Right in
2: front of me. I, I had no idea what it was when I picked it up. Oh. I didn't know it was a valuable <laughs> game until after I brought it home. Um, uh, I I'm blanking. I don't know. I, there's a bunch of stuff. Uh, that I have that I enjoy, but oh, okay, I'll go with this one. My Rob, my my Japanese family computer robot. Mm. I always wanted one of those. It took me forever to find one. I, I had a couple slip through my fingers over the years, but I finally found one in the box and very clean, very neat, pretty much mint condition.
0: Well, you found that Power Glove, too. That had to have been... Exciting.
2: That was exciting. It was exciting to find it and get it for a good price, but honestly, I wasn't It wasn't like, oh, wow, I I really wanted this power glove. It just showed up.
1: How do you go about tracking stuff down normally?
2: I just walk out to the stores and see what's on the shelf. Like I said, I don't don't buy anything online. It's one of the ways to curb my spending for it and to make sure that I'm not so obsessed that I'm constantly thinking about it. So I just go out to a couple of local shops, see what they have, and that's it. Mm. Uh, Like I said, I'm not going to stress over... I have to find this game, so I really don't uh, I really don't take it that seriously.
0: You're not taking road trips for uh, a game hunt?
2: No, no. I, if I happen to be in a different area, I'll keep an eye out for any sort of uh, game shop that I might come across, and I'll, if it's not too much of an inconvenience, I'll stop in there and look around, but no, I, I don't. I, I would love to get back to Tokyo someday because there's a couple of really big shops up there. Um, that's, you know, I'd love to spend a couple hours looking around, but yeah, when, when it happens, it happens.
0: How far of a drive would that be for you?
2: Gosh, it it would be the better half of a day. It would probably take, um, I don't know, about eight hours or so, I imagine.
1: Hmm. I don't
2: really plotted it out. Sometimes
1: my commute to work is that, is that just because of traffic wise or just the distance?
2: not nah, distance different. I'm pretty far south yeah and Tokyo's right in the middle.
1: But if you were to go all the way to Tokyo um, because it is such a major city would there be a big price difference in the items there like would it be worth worth it going?
2: I don't think it would matter from prefecture to prefecture. I think the prices are fairly common throughout. It's really just going to depend if you go to a collector shop or just some some uh, secondhand shop that happens to have games.
1: Okay. Because
2: I've been surprised. You'll find things in the collector's shop that are astronomically more expensive, but sometimes they'll have stuff that's cheaper because these smaller shops just have no idea what to charge at times, and they just throw random prices on them.
0: So how do you think you will eventually dispose of your collection?
2: My honest hope is that someday I have the strength to just throw it all away. You wow. know, it's... As, as much as I enjoy this hobby, and as much time and, and energy as I spent on it, and how much fun I have talking with everybody, there's a part of me that absolutely hates collecting. No, there, there's a part of me that, outside of my gaming collection, I really try to have very little in, in terms of... Um, Possessions. I, I've recently, when I did that gaming purge, I also purged a lot of my other stuff. I went through all my clothes. I went through my books. I went through DVDs, music, everything, and I'm really just trying to strip a lot of that stuff away. Um, I, I hate the fact that I have this, you know, collector inside me at times, because over the years, it's not just been games. As as a kid, I've collected different things. Um, it's been comic books, it's been action figures, it's been. I, I've got a jar of dice on my desk here. I, I don't do anything with dice, but I just have, like, when I see a cool set of dice, I'm like, oh, that, that's awesome. I've got a jar of coins here from all over the world, places that I've never been to, that I'm never going to spend. I don't, they're not fancy coins that you want to hang up and, like, oh, this is a valuable piece from 200 years ago. They're just coins from around the world. And I, I just have them in jars here because I have that collector inside me that always wants to have these things. And it it makes me sick at times where I just want to be able to throw it all out the window and be done with it. So as far as the games go, I'm going to hopefully whittle it down over the years and just make it to that small selection of games that I really want to play and really enjoy. And that's it. I don't want to have the the shelves and, and all the accessories and everything unless I'm actually using them and enjoying them.
1: Do you think it'd be a, you'd have a different take on it if um, you know aside from the accumulation of everything, if it wasn't such a, a monetary based uh, factor in terms of collecting everything, and and if prices weren't so exorbitant, would you have a different taste or?
2: Well, I that, that kind of is my perspective because the prices here are much tamer than they are where you are. Um, it, I can get games for a dollar easily and sometimes really good games. Uh, but you know, when, when I buy what for me is an expensive game might be uh, the equivalent of $30. You know? And I think that's kind of the average for a lot of uh, games in your area. Mm-hmm. So it, it really doesn't cost me that much to accumulate this stuff. And I still have space that I could put more in here. But it's that that tendency to not be able to let it go. I mean, Mm -hmm. I've got stuff that I'm sure everyone can relate to. You have things from your childhood that you don't use and you keep them in the closet or you keep them under the bed, you keep them somewhere out of the way where you're not looking at them, you're not using them. But anytime you come across it and you think, well, should I get rid of this? You'd have that, "Mm, I don't know, maybe, maybe. And then you end up just putting it somewhere else and, and still not using it. And that's what I really want to get over. Uh, I just want to be able to say, I'm not using it, get rid of it. And like I said, that purge I did a little while ago, I was able to do that. I threw away uh, yearbooks, photo albums from of, of events and people that I, I no longer talk to, I no longer keep in touch with, so I just I don't need it. Um, a lot of stuff uh, from my childhood that I just held on to because it's old, and I had it when I was a kid, but I, I don't need it, so... The I games, hope Joe so is listening to
1: all this. Yeah. You gotta, I should <laughs> have you over at my place and give me a hand.
0: <laughs> Don't forget Joe has TV guides from 1992.
1: <laughs> I've heard, yeah. Older. Yeah. Uh, what's your all-time favorite item, regardless of value or rarity?
2: Favorite item. Or items. Um, yeah, I like that Rob. He's pretty cool. Um uh, I don't know if I should say this. going to get a little sappy, but Kevin sent me a copy of Darkwing Duck on the NES, and for many years that was a game that I, I really wanted more than anything else, and he he got it for me. It's probably the game I was most excited to receive. Um, so that's up there. Um...
1: Doesn't have to be a video game item either.
2: Oh, video game? Shh. Maybe my TV I really like my TV I was so jazzed to to get a, an old-school TV and I just found this one day it was in a trash pile and luckily it works so hmm. I'll go with that
1: okay
0: and uh, finally in uh, the world of collecting what is your greatest regret
2: probably just selling the stuff that I had when I was younger um before i came to japan we needed money we couldn't take everything with us so i ended up selling a lot of uh, the stuff i had at the time which was uh, ps1 stuff gamecube stuff Um, i guess in terms of um, material possessions that's my biggest regret getting rid of those things for next to nothing but uh, i guess now with the community aspect and and hearing everybody talking about their, their experiences now and then, I really wish that when I was younger I had spent more time gaming with other people because I don't have a whole lot of those memories of sitting down with my buddies and, and playing through a lot of games. Um, I, it happened a lot when I was really young, when I first had my NES, but then once I got into high school and college I was kind of dry those years. So. If I had spent a little more time getting together in some of those gaming parties or everybody sitting around, I think that would have uh, been a, an excellent experience.
0: Yeah, sports games, man. That's where it was.
1: Ooh, nah. All right. <laughs> Never mind. Then. Yeah, boring. Oh, come on.
0: You guys don't know what you missed. Well, that's it for the collector questionnaire. Thank you very much, Mr. Vox, for participating.
2: Did I pass? Very enlightening. Very enlightening. Um, I have a question for you guys uh-oh. Uh, in terms of video games. Uh, this I think it pertains a bit more to Joe, but mm. because you're so protective of your your video game collection, is there anybody else in your house who is allowed to touch your gaming stuff? No. No. I don't well, is there is there anybody that you know? That is allowed to touch your gaming stuff. Uh, yeah, who would, like, you feel, who would you feel comfortable? <laughs> like you, you could have them over at your house in the room, <laughs> and then you got to go to the toilet. Who would you leave in that room unsupervised?
1: Uh, it have to be someone that I know uh, takes care of their own stuff personally. So, like, I've got my my middle brothers into collecting vintage games. So I know he would be very careful with everything. I've got my fellow, uh, uh transformer collector who I'm, is just as anal about touching his stuff as I am with mine. So, you know, you wash your hands before you touch any of your items. <laughs> so you don't distribute <laughs> your hand grease on it. Uh, but so yeah, he could touch my stuff. um, uh, and that's it. I don't know that many collectors per se are close by,
2: so mm-hmm. I don't really have
1: to worry about that. But in, in terms of my house, like my wife knows not to touch my stuff. Uh, my daughter's only two or not almost two. So she knows not to, I say, no, don't touch. And she's, she gets the hint. Uh, mm-hmm. my son's going to be four. He knows not to touch anything. But, uh, you know, like even with, you know, I'm a big, big book reader and, you know, I, I'm the kind of guy that when you read your book, you don't bend the spine on it. Mm-hmm. So you barely crack it open or you buy two, one for putting away <laughs> and one for reading. Uh, no, but I'm, I'm pretty, I've been pretty fortunate. And ever since a kid, even my parents knew, no, it, don't touch my stuff. It's just, it's mm-hmm. got to stay mint. It's got to stay clean. So nothing's been damaged, lost or or destroyed.
2: What are you going to do once your kids are a little older and they want to sit down and play with you?
1: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know what, vintage game wise, I I I'd probably have to take the game out of the box and then they could play it no problem. Mhm. But um you know Anything in terms of like you know uh, PS three or Xbox or PS two games where they are what they are that's that's nothing I'm really too concerned about.
2: Hmm.
1: It's more of the uh, the cardboard box items that need to be carefully maintained, right?
2: Right, right. Uh, my daughter comes in here all the time, and that that shelf behind me is just her height. She likes nothing better than to take my PC engine cards and Game Boy games out, spread them all over the floor and just, like, play with them like dominoes. Oh, jeez. Yeah. In fact, yesterday she was trying to cram the PC Engine Hue cards into my Super Famicom cartridge slot, and I was just like, <laughs> oh, you.
1: Oh, yeah, nothing could go wrong there. <laughs>
2: yeah,
0: you're giving Joe the sweats.
1: <sighs> hmm. I mean
0: my kids have like destroyed so much of my stuff already. I've just uh, lost the uh, heart trying to keep things uh, beautiful. Like uh, kid nearly put a hole in one of my guitars once, you know, it's just stuff's going to happen. Uh, yeah. You know, what can you do? So
2: Yeah, and that uh, that's the whole thing I was getting into before of all the the possessions. I, I want to be able to just say, "All right, fine, you put a scratch on my game, whatever. I can still play it." You broke mm-hmm. it. All right, now I can't play it anymore. Maybe I can find another one. I'm not at that point yet. I'll still lose my head over something like that, but it's a, it's a nice dream.
1: You know what, though, it's kind of <clears throat> my uh my buddy that I talked to my on my TF uh show. We all were always going back and forth on this topic, where it's like we buy all these items and yet we don't open them because it's you know we buy them sealed Then... To retain their value, they have to stay sealed, right? Mm-hmm. So it's hard to really enjoy the, the 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 collecting part of that hobby when you can't really, you know. You're basically just putting your money away and not even enjoying what you're what you're spending it on.
2: Yeah, you're just hanging so your money on the wall.
1: Yeah, slowly trying to transition out of it. It's taken it's taking a hell of a long time, but. Um, I think there will be a point when eventually when I do start to open some things up, not everything, but, um, you know, it'd be nice to actually hold a few things in your hand and (laughs) enjoy them. right?
2: Oh, here, I've got a test for you. Hang on. Here, this will test your, your level right now. Here's my, uh, one of my two Transformers, I've got a RevelTech uh, Megatron here,
1: yep.
2: which I've taken him out. And uh, here's his hand. At, uh, oh, it's this one. Nope, nope, nope. Oh, no, no. I'm just, just going to have to snap it off. <laughs> there you go. Is
1: it supposed to do that?
2: Uh, I don't know. <laughs> How you feeling? You all right? Uh,
1: well, it's not mine, so I'm not too upset about it. <laughs>
2: Okay, no, I know I did snap his hand off at one point and the plastic uh-huh. didn't break, but maybe I glued it back on. Anyway, I, I can relate. I got Transformers.
1: Well, uh, I think you wanted to uh, pocket, uh, uh, poke us with there, uh, Vox.
2: Um, I don't think or I ask have any answer. Or... I... Um, when's the guitar challenge coming?
1: Mm. Uh, Bill's given up on it so
2: don't blame me I've already put
0: stuff out show that I'm uh, doing it Go on. Joe's actually been playing guitar but he's not uh, putting any material
1: out for some reason no it would be too way too embarrassing that's the point Uh, (laughs) I don't need people commenting on that nonsense Mm. but yeah I have been uh, picking mine up a lot more recently so Nice to get into it. It's just—I uh, don't know. It's a matter of finding the time, just like anything else, right?
2: Yeah. Well, how but, long have you guys been doing this podcast now? You're—you're you're just over a year, right? Yep. So, have you felt that you've changed in your personality since you've been doing this? I mean, uh, it's kind of the same thing again. A lot of us are introverts here. Do you find yourself changing in how you can be open about your hobbies or yourself with the the people around you, or at least the people you interact with uh, across the world with the podcasts and all the Cartridge Club stuff?
0: Uh, It's definitely helped me. i have very much introverted. Joe has always been the social butterfly, so no worries there. But it's helped me, uh, you know able to carry a conversation a little bit easier with people. And it's funny when people come into our room at work and me and Joe will just start tag team interviewing them on the spot. <laughs> it's <just laughs> like a TV show. They don't know what's happening and then away they go. But yeah, I, I'm I'm sure it's helped out for me. It's, uh, it's been a good experience.
2: I oh, know. Since uh, episode one, you guys have always had a good banter.
1: Yeah, we, we, we just pretty much clicked right off the start, so that's that's nothing new for us. Um, I don't know. i still say I'm more of an introvert than extrovert, uh, even from doing the show. Because, uh, you know, when you're just talking on the podcast, it's, you know, aside from what we're doing now, if it's just me and Bill, it's just basically a continuation of us just having a conversation. Um, I think for us, the real... Or for me, anyway, the real proving point would be doing a, a YouTube video and getting out there, right? Hmm. I think that's uh, actually getting your face out there. Yeah, tends to be a hard point for a lot of people.
2: Is that what's still preventing you guys from showing your faces? Well, uh, oh, I've been outed,
0: so it's yeah. Joe's <laughs> turn.
2: Look at him. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm just—I'm going through all these scenarios in my head. <laughs> Is
2: uh, it you don't bad. want you don't want the public coming into your personal life that much?
1: Uh, We—I've just well, never been that kind of person. I don't know. Hmm. I like—I like staying behind the scenes.
0: Hmm.
1: Yeah, but uh, I think at some point it's going to have to, um, even for my own personal good, you know, just get out there and, you know, like they say, put yourself out there and see what happens.
2: Hmm.
0: All right. Uh, what more can be said? I think we've said it all. Joe, are you happy?
1: Yeah, very happy. It's always, uh, it's always weird with these first one-on-ones that we do. It's like, yeah, we got to get the questionnaire out of the way. You know, we got to sort of interview the person for those that aren't already familiar with them. Even though I'm sure a lot of people are familiar with Vox, but. Uh, It'd be nice to, you know, when we have you on the second time around or whatever, just to sort of really delve into just a regular conversation and see what's going on and talk about stuff that, you know, you know, just whatever is interesting us and at that time moment. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Well, yeah, everyone obviously knows, but they should definitely check out uh, Richard on the retro Fandango podcast, which happens every two weeks can be found at uh, CartridgeClub.org and on Podbean, you and your partner Kevin buried on Mars uh, It's just getting better and better with every episode. Uh, you continue to have different guests on, and are tackling uh, movie franchises and uh, pop culture stuff and gaming stuff. It's all—it's all—it's all. You're banging it out of the park every time. I'm really enjoying it. Uh, coming up is what. Die Hard?
2: Die Hard will be in December. We've got one more of our DeVito episodes before then. where we are, We're actually going to have on a couple of guys from England, so we'll be getting into um, the gaming culture over there because uh, as far as prices, availability, I have no clue on any of that stuff, so it's going to be a learning experience on that one. That'll be cool, yeah.
0: We definitely have a couple of listeners from, uh, from over there.
2: Yeah, it's been a fun ride. You know, we started doing it just as a, you know, what would this be like? And P one and P two were okay with letting us branch off of their feed, and uh, you know, it's it just it's still fun. It's still fun, and we get a lot of support from the community, which we're thankful for, and we get a whole lot of mentions on this very podcast, which we're also thankful for, and you provide us with a whole lot of material for the show. So it kind of goes <laughs> full circle.
0: Yeah. I wanted to congratulate you, too, on the... uh, You appeared on the Fathers of Gaming podcast.
2: Yeah, that's right. Um, Twitch, who is a retro gamer ranting on YouTube, uh, he had this idea in his head for for a long time, and he approached me about uh, doing it, and we were able to get Duke from Retro Nonsense in on it, and we sat there and talked for a couple hours about what it's like being a a gamer and a father, and uh, some pretty interesting stuff came up, and we've got a lot of... um, Great comments and support from people who are in the same situation. Uh, I know you guys can definitely relate to a lot of that stuff. So hopefully that becomes an ongoing project um, as far as when and how often, who knows. But uh, for now, if you guys uh, are happy to plug it as well, I'm sure we'll get a lot more feedback on it.
0: Yeah, it was a really great listen. Uh, Definitely congratulations on that one. Uh, Is there anything else you want to plug?
2: That's about it. Um, You can find me on Retro Fandango. You can find me on my YouTube channel. I'm on Twitter, the Rambox. That's about it with me. The Rambox. The Rambox. That's right.
0: Okay, Joe, go ahead. Do your do
1: your thing. Rattle off our stuff. Oh, jeez. All right. Well, once again, everyone, thanks for tuning in. Uh, as always, you can find and follow us in the following places on Twitter at STC Pod—that's the account that Bill handles. Check me out on Twitter at AC Decepticon. You can find our website at uh, www.stcpod.com. You can check out my blog and uh, Transformers and Beer Podcast at www.angrycanecepticon.blogspot.ca follow us on YouTube at youtube.com/ start to continue. We're on iTunes and Stitcher and we are newly on Podbean, which is stcpod.podbean.com.
0: Yeah, start pointing your uh, podcast apps to Podbean. That's where you where you'll find us. Um, definitely at the end of the show I like to do a couple things. I like to thank my co-host Joe. And since we have a guest, I'd like to thank Mr. Vox for joining us. And uh, as always, I'd like to thank Sweden. And there's a thing we say to sign off. I'm hoping Ram Vox can do it for us this one time.
2: Sure. But can I say first that when the first time I heard you say it, I thought you were saying host it and post it, (laughs) which I thought made more sense.
0: Okay. Well, you can go with that if you want.
2: (laughs) I don't want to upset the fans, the loyal listeners who who crave that phrase. Well, that
0: could be a trivia moment for one of your quizzes in the future. Okay.
2: Well, I'll, (laughs) I'll stick. I'll be a traditionalist. Post it and post it.